ready for brain stories? Get inspired and learn from thought leaders, CEOs, business owners, and managers who tell their brain stories, who share their valuable insights from their own experience. Welcome to Brainstalk. I'm your host, Bridget. For brand lovers, this show is to help you develop and grow your brand in a more strategic and sustainable way. Walk the talk. Let's get started and dive with me into the world of brains. My guest today is founder and president of Worldwide Market Research. Since 2013, she has been actively involved with each client, helping them fulfill their unique business goals through participating in strategy, development, questionnaire design, and a global network of trusted panel partners. Her prior experience across a range of industries that include retail, advertising, finance, telecom, and automotive have armed her with a unique perspective and expanse of business knowledge that has proven invaluable in her current role, allowing her to understand the needs of her clients' specific industry. Worldwide market research has completed over 400 successful studies and is ESOMAR 28 qualified. Her company is a participant and member in relevant industry associations such as the American Marketing Association Green Book, Inside Association Blue Book, and Kirk's Directory. Worldwide Market Research was rated as a top market research company in 2021 by Quirk's Marketing Research Review. As a born leader, guided by the virtue of integrity, she sets the bar high for everyone she works with, bringing out the best while putting them at ease. She brings a certain energy to every interaction with a mix of warmth, humor, curiosity, and introspection. When she's not hard at work, you can find her volunteering, hosting a Texas barbecue, globetrotting, or wrangling her two beloved dogs, Howard and Fred. I warmly welcome Kim Bergman. Welcome to Brent's Talk. Thank you so much, Brigitte. It's so good to be here. Yeah, I'm thrilled to have you as my guest today, Kim. We have connected via our leadership global community an impactful community for mm. unstoppable women, right? right. They interact in a confidential and very supportive way. And I love that community where we all get together regularly, almost weekly, and yeah. where we learn from each other and thereby grow in an incredible way, right? Right. Yeah. So getting ideas from one another is has been extraordinary. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so invaluable to have that. Yeah. yeah. To kick off uh, this interview, can you tell us a little bit about your background and about your journey that brought you to market research? Sure. Um, you said it in the introduction. I've been in numerous industries um, in a role, primary in a business development role. Um, I entered market research through a friend of mine who needed help developing her business. Uh, through that process, I found a, a niche within the market research world, like the online market research world that, I, that, is, that is unique 
to my knowledge. All right. So in 2013, you founded Worldwide Market Research, your own company. What made you leave your safety net and swing into self-entrepreneurship? This isn't my first venture into entrepreneurship. I've done several things on my own and I didn't have the patience or the confidence to see them to great success. Okay, so why this mindset shift in the first place? That's where I thrive, using my creativity, integrity, and business sense to bring real value to my customers and not lip service. Okay, and what is your why? Why have you done so? Why have you founded your own company? Um, to cut through the red tape, to give customers what I really need. You know, when you're in a corporate environment, I always remember being in business meetings and hearing we need to brainstorm and develop a solution. Well, what I learned in hindsight, they really weren't looking for a solution, mm. a real solution. And I don't know what that's all about, but the why is that I found this niche. I adore this industry because it's just, it, it, provides what I need for creativity, for it means something. Everything I do has great meaning to other people. That's important to me. Mm. And so I can live my business world congruent. The value system is congruent with my life and my business world instead of having to kind of compromise my beliefs. Mm. So is there even maybe a story behind you have done that, why you have shifted to being a solopreneur and then entrepreneur and start growing this company? Um, I come from a family, both sides of my family are independent business people. So I think it's in our blood and we um, all have creativity. I've watched ah, my grandfather and my dad are just such role models for how I um, do business and how I live my life. You know, I could, they were truthful men of integrity and really good businessmen. And so they didn't ever go for the quick dollar. And so I'm going to give you a story about mm -hmm. that. When I was a child, my dad had rent houses in a very, very poor part of Dallas. And there was a single mother that had a son that had been, um, had suffered permanent disabling burns from a fire. And one night I was in a little girl and I was in the back seat and I watched my dad go up to this woman and saw her son who was just had to stay bandaged. And he came back to the car and, and when he was getting in, I, I don't remember the exact words because I was so small, but what I knew from the conversation was that this woman did not have the money to pay my father. And he looked at my mom and he said, you know, she will win and if she can. Mm -hmm. And what that gave me to know that this woman is doing everything that she can to create a life where she and her son and my father understood that she needs to be cared for more than his role of getting money from her. And that paid off, that is, that philosophy pays off in great dividends. If I'm more concerned about what you need and how I can supply that, we both, it's a win-win. We both end up being quite successful financially, fortunately, 
but even more so we've developed real relationships and there's meaning to what we're doing. Wow. What a wonderful and such an impactful story. I love such stories because they shape our lives and values as well. Right. Right. So you mentioned there is meaning what you're doing. Um, what is exactly the purpose of your company? And can you also explain your underlying values and beliefs? What we do as a company is um, the deliverables are um, we provide online people to take studies online that are harder to find than the vast majority of people that take studies online. Like 80% of the market research world is um, the people surveyed are for consumer products. Mm -hmm. I work in the business to business world, the business to medical world to, so there are fewer of those um, people in those positions online to take these studies. So that's one of the deliverables. But what one of the real exciting parts for me is to help my clients get in, roll up our sleeves and make sure that they are to be an objective third party that can help them make sure they're asking the questions the way they need to be asked, that they're retaining interest, that it's in the language that the person receiving the study will understand in the, with the nuances of, of all of our different languages. You know, there's, you know this, the way we speak <laughs> language, the words that we use, the, where, the placement of those words has very different meanings. Within the same countries. So when you're doing research throughout the world, it's very important to have people in those countries that are native speakers and fluent English speakers to be able to make those transitions, the translations back and forth. That's key. And so that's one of the things that, that is very important. And that's not often valued by companies. They don't really think about it. And one of the great things is to help them with tweaking language. Um, it's just so cool. I mean, what are they wanting to do? Mm -hmm. Because big, big financial decisions and thought decisions result from market research. You know, number-wise, the people that are in market research, the professionals, They're not a great deal of us, but the results and consequences of what we do are, well, they're so far reaching yeah. to everyone, right? Yeah. And so that's something that when my customers are busy in the throes of all the de details of their research, that can get lost. And that's a really, can be a very, very expensive mistake. And that's where I step in, is to oh. just, yeah. It's just to help them and be objective. What are you trying to do uh -huh. and how do we get there? Okay, so there is so many questions I have to ask you. Let's start with a typical client. Who is the exact profile of such a client that you are serving? And what are the needs they have exactly? Okay. Um, our end client is 
Well, it, it has to be somebody that rec- recognizes the value of what we do because mm-hmm. it's, it's a unique niche because um, we're taking in the execution of their research online, we're saving them time by pulling together all of these. There's a lot of working parts to get the actual respondents they need to take this study successfully. So that it, time is helpful. Um, the objectivity and the experience that we provide them is helpful. Who the, I, who the clients are, that continues to be evolve. Um, most often it's in the past, it's been public relations firms, other market research companies, advertising agencies um, that have been hired by the actual company or entity that needs the research done, these companies have been hired to execute all of that research. Well, that since COVID, that's changed a great deal. Mm. A lot of that is, has been pulled in-house, which is even a more important reason to use someone like me. So my, because, you know, Clients often think that anybody can write a questionnaire. That's not true, right? (laughs) (laughs) Anybody can write questions. But to retain people's attention, I mean, there is a real art to that. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, our attention, people all around us were just being screamed at for our attention. And so these studies, again, for what I said previously, it's very important that we get the answers, good, accurate answers. And when you've got all of this noise coming at them, if you're not retaining their interest and asking them what you need them to respond to in a way that that they can continue to pay attention to, well, you see the results. Yeah, this is so true. And in order to get clear, spot-on answers, we need to ask them clear and unambiguous questions. Yeah. Kim, when I open your website, the first thing comes, welcome to Worldwide Market Research. We are picky. I love that because it raises curiosity. And now I ask you, what exactly do you refer to? Is it your clients, your partners? Who is it? Yeah. Whom do you refer to? Can you go a little deeper into what makes you unique? All of the above. We're not a yeah. We're not a good fit for everyone. You know, we're picky about our clients, and we're picky about the the supplier side as well. So it's and the way that we're picky is is well. Are you interested in in doing taking the time? What is it? 90% preparation, 10% execution. I think it's one of the, well, are you, do you understand that? And do you live by that? Because that is very, very difficult, very, very often in a corporate environment for that to really be allowed. And it's very short-sighted when you're not focused on preparing properly. And that includes pulling in a company like mine. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that decreases the number of people that we can work with 
um, and also that need that do global studies in these hard to reach audiences. So because it takes a lot of time to there are a lot of working parts to um, what, what's the word to um, to coordinate all of these different panel providers, which it takes many what are referred to as panel companies. People have signed up to take studies with companies that then will allow me to use that pool of panelists. Mm-hmm. Well, because my audiences, there aren't that many people like in a, in a C-suite role, just volume wise, there just aren't that many people in that role that are interested in taking studies online. Okay. And that's global. They don't, you know, and so to find those people when you have a study, it takes many different panel partners to do that. And so that's one of the services. It's a major time saver because I I have thoroughly vetted these panel providers to make sure that they are meeting all the standards, all the codes, all the privacy. The GDPR is a big deal. um, And to make sure that that they meet all the standards that need to be met. And. It's just vital. And that's what we bring to clients. Oh, that's so interesting. My next question is about questionnaire design. So from your opinion, what is so critical about questionnaire design, verdage, and so on? We've talked about some of this. Yes. Can Um, you go a little bit deeper into that? Yeah. Yeah. So the... The, we've talked about the language part that it, it has to be in the cadence, the words, the where the placement of the words that's understandable to the person we're asking to take the study. It has to make sense. And then exactly. it has to be worded in such a way to retain their interest. And there mm-hmm. are, how do you retain their interest? There are things you can add to the study that keeps our interest. Most of us are quite visual. And so you can add, instead of talking to you about, uh, let's take a brand, instead of talking to you about what a can of Coca-Cola looks like, let me just show you one, right? Mm -hmm. So with images, basically, right? Right. right. To just, and that works with words. It just has to flow and not because once again, their attention is being screamed at. And so language is very important. Um, Visuals and sounds, very important. Um, And there's also, you know, COVID, people have had a lot of time to get in a lot of mischief. And that's happened in the technology around taking a survey online. And so the way to word questions, to, they're called red herring questions where let's say I ask you your date of birth to provide it in the written day, month, and year. And Mm -hmm. then I'll ask Mm -hmm. you again to provide it, but this time in number format, right? And there are different ways to make sure that they are not something automated. You know, bots have become pretty sophisticated. And so uh, that's a simple way. And then there's also so many fingerprinting. There's so much technology around trying to catch the people that are cheating. 
um, on the study just to get the incentive to, to do that. And so there's, it's a great deal more sophisticated than that, but that's also quite important. Yeah, especially when we uh, do studies across uh, different cultures. Yeah, there's this so-called uh, equivalence of data we have to achieve. So which refers to the extent to which all the elements of such a research design have the same meaning and yeah. can be applied in the same way and in this different cultural context. So in specific, we talk here about the validity of mm -hmm. data, which refers to the accuracy of data. So is it really that what we are measuring? Yeah. yeah so is it really measuring what uh, it claims to measure? And there's also the reliability, so the consistency of the results, mm -hmm. measuring mm -hmm. two things that delivers constant and stable results. So, and if this is not the case, so if data equivalence in cross-cultural studies is not established, it may bias the, the results. Well, yeah. right. So... How do you avoid that? One of the, the things that From, we found that works really, really great is we have translators yeah. in the, the native country. So they live there and they're also fluent in English, but they can take our study and translate it into the language of that particular culture. And because they're kind of feet on the ground, they understand the nuances of the other areas much, much better than anyone that is, is located, well, where I am in the United States, that could be from, let's say, India. They could be from India, have been born and raised yeah. there, but they don't understand, they can't understand the nuances, the changing language, as well as someone that's actually in the society physically located in the society. So that's been one of the real keys to making sure we're ensuring that we're having equivalent responses. Yeah. So they're also then back yes. translating again yeah. what they have figured out yeah. and think that that helps to achieve the equivalence of the Absolutely. data. Absolutely. Okay. That's key. So it is, the whole thing is very, the both translating it for the respondent and then translating it back, they're imperative. And so it's a real, it's mm. a real art. I mean, you know, it's, a, you almost have to use a linguist. I mean, it's a real art form. So do you have any, let's say, stories that, that showcase this hurdles, uh, brands that have difficulties internationalizing and getting a foothold in a foreign and culturally diverse market, a market that's different to your own home market. Mm. And yeah, anything that helps us to understand um, how to prevent companies to mm -hmm. run into making this market entry failures. Do you have any stories? Just <laughs> uh, great examples <laughs> is that I had a customer come to me after they had done all of the work Oh, it was awful. They came to me, it was in 2017, and they came to me, they had the questionnaire ready, they had done everything, and they came to me and wanted to run this study And in t for women in Saudi Arabia, Arabia women drivers okay. in Saudi Arabia. Well, mm -hmm. no, this was in 2016. Women drivers in Saudi Arabia didn't get the 
legally the privilege to drive until 2017. So I'm presented with this research package to provide respondents to in 2016. I have to tell this client, well, sorry. I mean, you know, they can't drive. (laughs) And so that is hence why to bring us in early. And that trickles back to because we've got people on the street that can tell us. Because you can try and use the internet, but in that particular case in 2016, I couldn't find that particular thing online. And so if they had just called me before doing all of that work, it would have saved them lots of dollars. (laughs) Time and time. So that's just one example of the importance of having outside people outside your organization, bringing additional thoughts to, Hey, did Mm -hmm. you think of this? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is there maybe one more example that you can give us? Because it's so crucial Mm -hmm. to um, get your primary data. You cannot just, very often you have to be very specific Mm -hmm. um, if you want to study something. And that's something you can only get when you do your own market research, not via the internet and look up secondary data sources because it's just not existing. So. Um, do you have any other example? You know, golly, there's a lot. One of the things is is around this. It has to do with cultural differences, and in okay. Latin American countries, um, the way you ask about household income in studies done mm-hmm. in America, and even it's changing today because the American culture is has a huge influx of people from Latin America, and so. Mm-hmm. Um, to just ask as part of your qualifying questions, what is your household income? That is offensive to many people in the Latin culture. And so Mm -hmm. it's very important to know that and ask questions. What do you do for work? What are your expenses? Not ask them direct. What do you make? What is your, what's your salary? Because that is offensive. I mean, that's another example of that. Um, There are a lot of examples. Uh, Yeah, these examples are really, really interesting mm -hmm. because then we we get an idea of what you have to consider. Mm -hmm. You think, yeah, just ask them household Mm -hmm. income, but um, Mm -hmm. that might be a rather offensive question to ask. It's it's a Mm -hmm. face-saving concept also. right? Right. Yes. That's really mm-hmm. what hits that mm-hmm. with the money. It's questions around money often mm-hmm. <laughs> and social position. It's, you know, we just list that here in America. We Are you here, 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 you know, from CEO down to um, what we consider a lower level. That's interesting to me, like a garbage mm-hmm. collector. Well, let me tell you something. In my worldview, that garbage collector should be at the very top as far as his value to society. That, now, that's an aside for you, because think about your garbage collector, not them not, not having garbage collection. So at any rate, I found their value substantial. So, but to just list out what is your job role, we do that as, as not even thinking. In Europe, we do it too. Well, people in Latin American countries in particular do not ask them to just put their job title mm-hmm. in. And even in Western countries, 
because job titles are changing so quickly to put a list of titles you're not going just to here are the here are the bullet points which one do you want to plug into people don't know they don't know how to put in what traditional job titles are so that is a much better written question you know describe what you do for a living in western culture back well that works in latin america as, as well but the describing what you do is most helpful because it takes the socioeconomic hierarchy away and allows the client allows the respondent to share the value of what they do mm-hmm. in their view and that's very yeah. helpful <laughs> i mean very we helpful. always talk about cultural sensitivity as a company when we enter other markets and it starts so early it starts already when you conduct your market research and most of the company yeah. are not aware of that it really starts already with that yeah. Companies fail yes. because they provide yes. um, a product. Our own biases. We step in with our own biases and assumptions. And it's a really, this is a very, very tricky industry. I mean, you really have to be on your game to think, what is, what do I, what do I know? How do I get this? Mm-hmm. It's language. How do I get this to come across what I'm wanting to need, what I need to know? How am I getting them to understand this? What I need to know. Well, that is not blueprinted. That's just, you can't, it's not one. Yeah, we always refer to our own value systems that we have, that we are raised with in our own culture. But we really have to understand what's their value system. We have to be empathic, sensitive, put ourselves into their shoes and see it from Mm -hmm. their perspective. And then Mm -hmm. we understand there is a difference. And that's what we have to look at. One of the things that's yeah, one of the things that's really been beneficial for me if company, I mean, you know, again, there's, it's the cost benefit, but if they will allow me to take what they've done is still take the time and let me ask someone in the local country, what are you hearing? How would you respond to this? And almost with these global studies, it's important to kind of do it if possible to do a test study and then have those results come back to us. But again, it provides that person in the country to provide that to us and it it's ongoing relationships to know that we're keeping up with what's going on in that country because things change very very quickly mm-hmm. in all countries sometimes now sometimes they don't but most of the time things in language and particularly with technology our language is changing so quickly and this is an interesting uh, this is interesting. Um, um, throughout the communication, there are people, technology is being transmitted via mobile phones to the far reaches of jungles in, in very primitive places, what we would consider primitive. They are getting, you download information from the internet share that with them. So that is how technology is 
affecting the entire planet, the seven plus billion people on the planet are now seeing things and being exposed to mm -hmm. things that would never before have been possible yeah. by virtue of a mobile phone. So when you consider that, they now have information that I've got to consider to help, once again, get what I need from them. Well, what my client needs. It's not, I mean, I need it because my client needs it. Mm. And so there, you can get studies completed in very remote areas, but it's even more important that you have someone in the local country to be able to tell you how they say things, what they mean, that they can translate these things. It's so important. And can you even conduct this study with them? Mm -hmm. You know, there are studies, you can't ask certain things in some countries. Um, can you give an example? Well, it's not politically correct. Oh, there are countries in, in, okay, there are countries in the Middle East yeah where you cannot you cannot ask women direct mm -hmm. you have to go through the male counterpart if you mm -hmm. don't know that once again it's like it's like getting saudi women saudi arabian drivers they're not there and so you know be aware that there are sensitivities you know that's a but that's that exists that if you don't ask through the male to get the female's opinion so do you think you get the real female opinion by going through the male there's you know there's an error you get an mm -hmm. there's a margin of error in all studies that study being conducted exclusively online would not work so you would need to meet face to face with them and again yeah. it's there's so much psychology going on with this are you getting the right answer you kind of have to use your gut mm. but see mm. them face to face um so can you guarantee that absolutely not but you can't i mean If you're looking at them, you've got better chance than a lot of the automation that goes on because it's so easy to cheat. You know, there's a risk involved in all of this. That's why there's so, it's so important that you have the right pieces together to ensure you're getting good responses, accurate responses. So, yeah, there's a risk in that, but there's a risk in all of it. Mm -hmm. Kim, um, are you willing to share any experience that was a major learning for you, something that went not so well you might consider as a failure or a mistake, mm -hmm. but really was important for your learning and growing from it going forward and do the job that you do in such a successful way? Mm -hmm. You know, um, oh yeah, gosh, <laughs> I've had a lot of those. Um, I think. I had a study one time where I had um, the client, I was juggling too many balls in the air and I was working on way too many studies. And so we got, I had 18 projects going at once that I was trying to manage. And mm -hmm. that's not, don't that do that. Too many. That's too many. And so this one study that we had run many times, um, it was a, 
several waves of this study that over time, I'm sure a lot of people have done that, but I, I set it up wrong. And we were, um, I, it was the technology that I used inaccurately. I put in the wrong information. So they were, began the study. It went out to people that weren't qualified to take the study. And so several days in, I went, oh no. So we had to regroup and fortunately, and that was on my, you know, I got to pay for that financially, but that we were able to fix it and get them what they needed. But that was yuck. And you know what I know, but it also built a confidence between that client and I that lasts forever because wow. I made it right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very often we do something wrong and uh, it's a way of really exponentially growing. Yes. Look about the learning yeah. from that. Think about it. Just... I mean, I am, you know, as a species, we run from, we see failure always as negative. And I'm like, yeah. that is, how else do you learn? If it didn't work, well, then we get to change it. Oh, yes. So I really, I don't like the feeling that comes from making a mistake, the initial feeling. I think nobody likes that. <laughs> but it's such a gift. Yeah. Because, you know, life is the process of, well, what didn't work? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and the gifting is, that's once again what's so important for me. A real relationship with customers is built when things go bad. And you're mm -hmm. both willing to work together to get the result. And isn't it's a relationship, any relationship, you know, and we've just become a throwaway society. Culture, the Western culture universally, if this isn't working, let's throw them away. Throw them away. People are disposable. Well, that's simply so short-sighted. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, you know, I am very grateful for, yeah. in hindsight, I'm very grateful for failures. Initially, I'm like, I oh, crap. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, crap, you know? Yeah. It's embarrassing initially. You're like, I can't believe that just happened. But it makes life, there's value in that. And it makes that life richer than everything going smooth, yeah. you know? that's not, That gets kind of boring if every, for me. Yeah, it's much more exciting, right? <laughs> but when things go bad, you're like, oh, yuck. yeah. But how do we fix it? Yeah. Good. So picking up on what you have said, on your website, you quote, Kim Bergman is a creative problem solver with a gift for nurturing professional relationships with authenticity. So I personally find this extremely appealing. It conveys so much meaning. Mm -hmm. It shows how you want to be seen as a personal brain. So would you like to go a little bit deeper into that and tell your story of how you came up with this quote? Um, it's, it's, we've discussed a lot. I think we've mentioned a lot mm -hmm. of it, but it's really taking, because I value authenticity in other people and I get, it makes me a little skeptical of people. Like, why are you saying what you're saying? But I'm grateful for that gift. And don't tell me what you think I want to hear. Tell me the truth. 
so we can then get to some real problem solving. It cuts through a lot of time and nonsense when we're being so sensitive with one another. Um, The creativity is, we've talked about that, thinking the objectivity of seeing where you're wanting to go, what you think you need to do to get there, and what I might bring to the table just from my life experience or from my experience in market research that might be a more effective way to get it done. Um, and, but it's really expecting people to shoot straight with me. And that Mm -hmm. is, that doesn't serve well in a lot of the customers I've had that have just remained customers investing, you know, I'm going to back up and be really, this is, I don't know if you want to use this or not, but leadership global, this group that you and I have met When I was talking to Linda Fisk, the woman that, that uh, this is her business, what I told her, what I asked her, I said, let me tell you, I've done other networking things. And one of the things that I have made it unproductive is other professionals see the world as a place of scarcity. Mm -hmm. We see each other as competition. We see each other um, suspect. I don't want you to know what I know. Well, that doesn't make for a very effective, sustainable society in general. But what That doesn't I, get us anywhere, right? Right. And so yeah. what I found in, in this group, because that was one of the things that I told her, I said, I'm not interested in another so-called networking group. I said, mm-hmm. I need to be with other women, and really women, because we really are suspect to one another with good reason but that women that have the value system I have that you and I working together and sharing together, mm-hmm. man, what a powerful force that is. That makes an impact, right? And that is what I found in this organization, which is extraordinary because Absolutely. that's how I do my business. It's what we've talked about. Dive deep with me, invest in me and I'll invest in you. And I'm going to tell you, you're, we're really going to do some good stuff. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. What are the next big projects that are in the pipeline or coming up soon? You know, I've got, as far as my personal work, I've got a couple of interesting studies coming. One, believe it or not, is for welders. It's to survey welders for a <laughs> So I find that one very interesting because welders don't tend to be sitting at their computer. They're out welding. And so this is an interesting study because I have found the peop- the welders that will take this study and it's for Canada and the United States. And so um, they've got some interesting questions. So that one's going to be exciting. Um, as far as personally or on a higher level, not even a higher level, on a different level, I'm doing some new... Co- marketing things because we're in a growth mode. We took a real hit with COVID um, as far as, you know, companies were doing a lot and continue to do a lot of consumer online studies, but the business studies took a backseat. And so we really took a, a lot of companies have gone away. And so we're in the process of rebuilding our uh, 
expanding our business with that. And so I'm trying some new things. And one of them is doing podcasts and video and, and becoming more of the vocal expert, the face of our company, which I had not done in the past. And so it's uncomfortable initially to think about, but I'm pretty excited. It is. Yeah. But um, we need to pivot. We have to go with yeah. the new ways of communication mm -hmm. and it makes us uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But once we have learned it, once we yeah. have understood how it works, and once we see that it's delivering results, right. it's actually fun. It's, yes. it's joy, you know, and uh, we really need to get used to that way of how to uh, promote ourselves and our right. business. Right. right, right. You know, and as a solopreneur, um, <laughs> to, this, to be able to meet people throughout the world through this, this group that we share, That has been, you know, what are you doing? How are you doing it? It's getting other people and what's working for you all. Because I wouldn't have come up with that podcasting or video casting or webinars and all of that. I wouldn't have. That's yeah. always somebody else needs to do that. And I'm like, wait just a sec. I do know how to do things well. <laughs> Not always perfectly. Yeah, it's it's so inspiring to see yeah. to see what others yeah. are doing, and yeah. it brings so much more into your own world, right? Mm -hmm. It enriches your yeah. your way of how you're doing business, and it you know, getting to know you has been a real gift with that. To see how you're doing, how you're choosing to do it. You know, I've started following your branding, and it's like that has been very helpful. It get because people that are entrepreneurial by their very nature have a creative brain and so when you see somebody that's got a good idea it's like hmm and so you're <laughs> doing this is like yeah that's yeah so yeah, it's, and it's, it's, it's <laughs> thank you that you know are doing things well and i and you're doing things well yeah and uh it's also the other way around i love to have a conversation with a market researcher like you are because it was also part of what I've been teaching at the university for so yeah. long. So yeah. I like that too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good. Kim, we are almost at the end of our show. Mm -hmm. I would like to do a quick word wrap with you. Are you ready to give me quick and short answers? Yes. All right. Then. Translation. Has to be local. Great. Cultural differences have to be understood, which requires being local. Wow. Focus groups. Uh, evolving on how they're being conducted. Okay. From in person to a lot of online. Wow. Which is getting some very interesting. There's some interesting ideas coming from all of this. Okay. Great. Uh, data management. Gosh, you need experts. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> experts. Last but not least, brains. All right. I'm going to back up and tell you that for small to medium-sized businesses, brand is just whatever name we've come up with for the company. Um, helping small to mid-sized businesses, and even large businesses to understand that brand is the culture. It's the, it says so much about the people 
um, it is a thread that goes through everything. And so branding is indeed an art form and has to be tweaked and adjusted. And again, globally has to be understood from the global perspective. The individual country perspective you can't say okay here's my brand and send it out to everyone once again because even it's just so important it's such a it's not a name it's so much more than a name in -hmm. order to get the result it speaks to it's just it's an ever-evolving important to understand its impact um that brand Light market research has an enormous amount of psychology in it. Absolutely. Well, that was a longer answer. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Kim, for listeners who would like to find out more about you, where can they find you and get in touch with you? Well, LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. um, my website, email, um, Instagram. I mean, I'm on all of it and have made it. That's one of the nice things about how I've done things is that less is more as far as the language of what we use. So if you're more interested, just shoot me a line, shoot me a message. Okay. I put everything in the show notes. Kim, thank you so much for being my guest today on Brands Talk. Wow. It was such an insightful talk about do's and don'ts. Uh, in market research and there's so many takeaways for us for the audience i love that so it was a pleasure having you here thank you kim oh my goodness bridget thank you so very much i've loved it thank you kim thank you and that was my conversation with kim bergman If you like my show, head over to BridgetBrands.com and sign up for my newsletter to never miss an episode. I look forward to welcoming you in my community. Also, don't forget to subscribe to my Brands Talk podcast on your preferred app. Share it on social media and if you find a minute or two, leave a quick rating or review. Thank you so much. I hope you will stay tuned in on the next episode when we dive into the world of brains. <laughs>